I'm Kate Daniels. Heart disease and stroke are the leading cause of death for women, which is the reason we give it much attention in the month of February, Heart Health Month. Hearing the stunning stories of women and their experiences really is the best lesson in our awareness. And this morning, we are first joined by Jay Wu, a stroke survivor and Go Red for Women ambassador and 2023 Go Red for Women Real Women. Best to now just hear Jay's story directly from her. Jay Wu, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the fact that uh, you are willing to talk about your story, which is just utterly mind-blowing to me that a young woman would go through this series of strokes, which were not even caught immediately. Uh, but I'm just kind of jumping into it without, you know, giving you that opportunity to share what was going on in your life. So what can you tell us about what was going on for you as a young woman still in her later 20s when this happened? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, thank you so much for the opportunity to share this on behalf of American Heart Association as well. They've been a huge factor in my recovery process and also in my advocacy campaign and letting people know that you're really never too young to have a stroke. I was 28 on active duty military orders at the time deployed to Afghanistan when I first started experiencing numbness and tingling in my left arm all the way up to my lower left face. These were intermittent feelings or intermittent feelings, excuse me, sorry. You'll notice that I still slur my speech every now and then uh, because of those uh, mini stroke impacts. But I started experiencing those symptoms pretty frequently um, over the course of about six months while I was deployed, and nobody had any idea what it was and how could they. As a 28-year-old, I was very active. I was always healthy. I had physicals every year since I was in the military, so it's not something that you would normally expect out of someone, right? Right. And so um, I continued to experience those symptoms, and since they were pretty mild in nature and I had a torn left shoulder labrum at the same time, a lot of my physicians assumed that it was intimidating nerve damage rather than a stroke because that just seemed a little bit more average cause-wise for a diagnosis. So a lot of them recommended physical therapy, so I kept doing physical therapy when I came home for an extra two months or so until one day I was experiencing a little bit more severe symptoms. And so in addition to that numbness and tingling in my left side, I started experiencing like a, what I attribute to a floppy wrist feeling where my wrist just tends to lose control and just kind of flops over like a dog waiting for its belly to be pet. And I had no idea why that happened. It happened also while I was driving. And when I was driving, my head actually snapped backwards for a very split second and thankfully, I came to, so nothing happened on the road. I didn't cause any accidents or anything. But after that experience, I realized something was incredibly wrong because I was not only a danger to myself at that time, but a danger to somebody else, potentially. So that's when I started going to my primary care urgently and letting him know, hey, I think something's wrong. He referred me to neurology. Neurology did a couple of those, like, pinprick, like arm tests, things like that, until they decided to just put me in for a couple of scans just to really rule everything out. And they put me in for a brain scan and a C-spine scan. And on those notes, they had 
indicated that they didn't anticipate any sort of results to come out from it. And ironically enough, um, after I got the results from my brain scan, it happened to be Moyamoya disease, which is a very rare progressive cerebrovascular disease where, and please, like medical professionals, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, arteries leading up to your brain are dying, so you form collateral arteries around your brain to deliver that additional oxygen around. And in Japanese, moya moya means puffs of smoke. So that's what my brain looked like. It looked like it had squiggly lines that looked like puffs of smoke. And holy cow, once my neurologist looked at it, she said, this is definitely moya moya disease. And that's kind of how they found out. How did you feel about that? Were you, I imagine, being just utterly shocked, stunned? Yeah, I was absolutely stunned because, one, I was at work and I took a quick break in my office to pick up that call. I had no idea that that call was almost life-changing in a sense. So the diagnosis with Moya Moya disease, uh, is that the focus then for treatment for you? Uh, are you still susceptible to strokes? Yes. So moyamoya disease was predominantly the reason why I was experiencing those mini strokes or transient ischemic attacks. Um, all the symptoms I kind of listed earlier, they were very mild versions of them. And with transient ischemic attacks, um, those are temporary. So temporary mini strokes they are not like long duration um, lasting ones. Um, they still do impact the brain. But um, thankfully, with timeliness of intervention, um, which I had to have two brain surgeries for at 28, um, I was able to get the requisite treatment necessary to really have a decent prognosis. Now, nothing's really known for sure with Moyamoya disease since so, many, so few people have it. So there's, I'm sure there's just not enough data out there or enough clinical trials to really prove to you that, you know, you're going to live exactly the normal uh, amount of life expectancy. But it's always an unknown, um, so it's just something that we have to live with. So having brain surgeries, and how far apart were the two? They were about eight months apart. And both were needed, or did they find that after the first one, you needed to have a, a second one? Yes, so I knew from the very beginning that I was going to need to, and most of the times they provide you some additional time in between to heal before you go ahead and get another surgery. So it really depends on the healing process for the first one. Oh, as a young woman going through something so severe, I, it must have been uh, what a, a real shock to have to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's not something I ever anticipated needing in my life, especially because I lived it so healthy. I never really drank much, and I was never a smoker either, and I was constantly running and being in the military. I'm very active, so I had never anticipated I'd ever have to need any sort of surgeries, not at least for a very long time. Right. Oh, Again, that is just uh, so stunning, and and you say that you know the because it's so rare, difficult to know anything about it. So, do you actually need to do anything differently with your life, or are you still active military and just living life uh, as anyone uh, would any day of our lives? Uh, it did change a couple of things for me. I noticed that I am a little bit more tired then I probably would be after certain exercises or just after just being out and about for longer periods of time. Uh, I noticed that I just 
don't have the same energy levels as I used to have. And I think that's relatively normal since, you know, you're healing a major part of your body. So I think that kind of did have an impact um, in terms of medication. Thankfully, it was really only post-surgery recovery that I had to take about three months worth of medication for. But after that, I've really only had to take uh, baby aspirin every day. So just something normal for stroke and heart disease prevention that usually typically the older crowd will tend to have, but um, now I'm in that category. And I am no longer in the military. I am no longer eligible for service because of my condition. So no, I am no longer in the military. After the surgeries, and you mentioned taking the medications, does that mean you're not experiencing any of those mini strokes any longer? I'm not sure, to be honest. I cannot answer that question firmly uh, or accurately because there is no guarantee that I haven't experienced them. It's very hard to tell because many stroke symptoms are so minor and mild Mm. in nature that, I mean, I couldn't tell the first time around. So I, quite frankly, I don't believe I've experienced them. Otherwise, I'm sure if I had any lasting symptoms, anything longer than a couple of seconds, then I would definitely have gone to a hospital by now. But Mm. my prognosis is pretty good since I had intervention when I was young. That is so great. The thing is, though, being so young, I think that you're such an important voice. um, And I'm so grateful that you want to share this story with others to to become aware of what to do or to know that, you know, there are so many uncertainties. We can't just think that, oh, it's only when you hit your later years, something like this might happen. So thank you for being willing to speak about this. Yeah, of course. No, I think uh, the American Heart Association, especially the Go Red for Women campaign, has an important message, and it's to women and also men and anyone really of all ages that cardiovascular disease and stroke can strike at any point. And the thing that you can do to prevent that is really just to know what these symptoms are. And unfortunately, with many strokes, they're not necessarily the full definition of stroke-like symptoms, right? So fast, like sometimes it fits the category, sometimes it doesn't. It's a milder version, and these are things to really just log and look out for because I think what saved me was logging all of my symptoms, the durations, after noticing that things just weren't right. And when I brought that up to my cerebrovascular team, the first time I met with them, they said those are definitely indicators that you had mini strokes. Mm. So. In the end, you know, you're your own best advocate, and I really encourage people, if they're not feeling right, to log down that information if you don't think it's going to be an immediate medical emergency. But so you have that information uh, armed with you when you do go to your physician so you can have that good conversation. Oh, absolutely. Yes, that self-advocacy I keep hearing about. Again, you're saying how critical it was for you. And I imagine being the young age that you were, then this happened, that they wouldn't expect it. But when you have all that data, they can't help but listen to you. Right. Right. Like I said, it's always down to you being your own best advocate. And, you know, it's a lot of responsibility on both the patient and the provider. The provider to provide you the patient's and understanding to listen to you and to understand how serious things are. And also on the patient to take those recommendations from your doctor and to 
constantly really just like follow their instructions until you realize that something's not right and you know continuously work with them one of my best friends is an er doctor and she says because of me now she doesn't turn away younger patients with their quote-unquote mild versions of symptoms and now she'll actually recommend them for scans just in case because she took care of me after my second surgery and she said you know you're so young and I just didn't expect you to have something like this so you've been a large factor into how I provide care for my future patients too. That is really amazing. What a an amazing person your physician is for taking note of that. On a sort of a different tangent then, in terms of your being an ambassador for Go Red for Women, you were this last year. What did that mean to you? Yeah, being a National Go Red for Women ambassador for 2023 was life-changing for me in all the ways that I needed it because I definitely felt very alone since Moya Moya disease is a rare disease, it's not necessarily worldwide known, right? So when you hear it, you don't automatically think stroke. And what Go Red for Women did for me was to normalize that disease. So they normalized a lot of rare conditions for me, and they made me feel like part of a network that could contribute to helping others understand things better, while also helping me to heal because I'm meeting other women who are just as resilient, who have overcome so much, like things like open heart surgery and just so much altogether that it really provided me a family in a sense. And I think what Go Red for Women does for the general public is absolutely mission critical because all the research funds that they are raising is going to go towards innovative medical technologies that's going to make healthcare so much more affordable for the general public. And so I truly believe in Go Red for Women's campaign and really arming everyone out there with knowledge. Because that's always the first step, is just knowing is the key. That is so powerful and really underscores this entire campaign that we're in the midst of right now and and the really perfect reason to support Go Red for Women, provide the funds that go toward research. And that was just so well stated. I really appreciate that, Jay. No, yeah. Thank you so much for supporting American Heart Association's mission, too. You know, you're the reason why, you know, people are going to know more about what we do and why we do it. Because, you know, it's like every other fundraiser, right? You always just see what you want to donate here. But what you don't see behind it is the people. Is that people like me with disabilities are the ones asking because we don't want other people in our same circumstances to go through what we went through alone. Exactly. Well, you certainly are a wonderful spokesperson for this to share what went on and your passion to really being in this support role is, uh, I hear that loudly and clearly. And so I do appreciate your taking time to share your story with us today, Jay Wu. And I wish you continued healing and success on your life's journey. Thank you so much, Kate. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Jay is a strong young woman, and I, for one, am so grateful that she's chosen to share her story because it speaks volumes, and I trust encourages us to also be self-aware and advocate for ourselves. Now we meet Lee Crane, who will share with us how we can be involved and support the work 
done by the American Heart Association. Lee Crane is a Go Red for Women volunteer and a chairperson for Circle of Red. Lee Crane, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Good morning. I am just uh, so appreciative of you, your dedication to Go Red for Women, and you spent a lot of time and a lot of yourself invested in volunteering. What has motivated you? Why are you doing this? Well, like everybody who's involved in the American Heart Association, we all have a why. And uh, I don't know if you know that cardiovascular disease is actually the leading cause of death in women, claiming more lives than all cancers combined. And my family, like most families, there are individuals, and obviously they're personal stories for them, who have worked through heart disease. A stroke has taken some of the folks in my family and congenital heart defects. And so Again, like most people, I'm surrounded by heart disease, and I just wanted to do something about it. It totally makes sense. Yes, that personal connection can certainly be such a a great motivator. And these are huge health challenges. And as we heard from our previous guest, and earlier in, in January, we heard from to young women about how heart disease has so deeply impacted them. So women are greatly impacted. And fortunately, these are survivors, but there are people who are less fortunate. But it's through the American Heart Association that there's the research done that we have people surviving, right, Lee? Oh, absolutely. What the, this is the 100th anniversary of the American Heart Association and the 20th anniversary of Go Red for Women we all should be indebted to what they have done. The amount of research they've done, the the biggest funder of heart research is obviously the federal government, and then the American Heart Association is second. What they have done, like I said, we should all be grateful. Yes. And with the American Heart Association, we have an opportunity to be partners, to be part of that research so that because cardiovascular disease affects so many people, being the leading cause of death should be motivation enough to be active and involved. So yes, we are donating, and this is an invitation to be even more invested if we can do that, right? Absolutely. You know, another important statistic um, regarding women is that nearly 45% of women ages 20 plus are living with some form of cardiovascular disease. 45% of women ages 20 plus. So yes, um, the more people who we can partner with on Go Red for Women and with the American Heart Association, it makes a, it make it's a big deal. It makes an impact. And so there's a great way to make an impact with a wonderful event that's coming up. So tell us about this wonderful event. Uh, the Go Red for Women experience. So it's Thursday, March 7th from 530 to 8 at Victory Hall, which is, um, for those who may not know Victory Hall, it's at the Box Yard in Seattle. And it is a special event. It started back up again last year after a break with COVID. And it's a group of people who come together and raise their paddle in a great atmosphere. They learn 
they socialize and they walk away feeling good about, again, the impact they're making with the American Heart Association and for women's health. I have been to a number of the events pre-COVID, and they were always, as you say, so inspiring. There was just so much good health information, stories from women impacted by a heart experience or a stroke. Is that what we expect this year? Or Tell us more about what will happen that night. Yes, you will definitely hear from last year. They had two speakers, one of who you interviewed today, two people sharing their stories. Then it's always an exciting auction with great items. And they always throw some surprises in, which I'm in the dark about, which I love because who doesn't want to be surprised? And they're great surprises. You'll hear from Amelda Deconis, who is the chair of Go Red for Women, and you cannot help but be moved by her story and why she is so involved with Go Red for Women. And then, you know, you'll sit at a table with others and you'll hear their why on why they're there and we'll raise a glass and toast to Go Red for Women. And that is something to toast to when we think about (laughs) the fact that so many lives are at stake when we don't have the information or know what to look for, what to do. This is so critical to toast to the fact that the information, the education is happening. Couldn't agree more. And so that's a great night. Is there a limit on the number of people who can attend? That is a great question. I How could you limit this? No, I, I can't believe that there is one. You can go and get your tickets. So if you can't make it, you can also donate. Yes. And that's an important point. So if you're listening to this and you're saying, how can I attend the event or donate? Visit, and I actually have the site. It's heart.org slash Puget Sound Go Red. Um, You can reserve a table, make a donation, and obviously we hope to see as many people who can make it that night. Absolutely. There's nothing quite like being there in person and feeling the energy of others in the room. And it's just so energizing and uplifting. And of course, you know, when we attend, we need to wear something red. Absolutely. (laughs) It's that is, is, is a given. And that's what's really so much fun as well, is seeing this sea of red, all the different variations of color, but just so much red. It's Isn't it invigorating? It really is. I, I love your energy for the event, too, and that you've been to it, because it is something that, you know, guests can expect an evening of the networking and the live auction and just the fun and always that feeling when you raise your paddle that you're making a positive impact. I'm looking forward to hearing this year's speakers. Because their stories, there's never anything that feels like, oh, I've heard that kind of thing before. It's always something new and fresh and just so awesome that the experience a woman has gone through because of some heart event, it just blows me away. It has. And I mean, your previous speaker, her story, it's moving. And and for me, with my family, you don't know when heart disease may strike in many cases. And 
When it does, um, in many cases, it's just shocking. And then you want to figure out what you can do about it. So it feels good to be on the front end trying to fund research. Yes. And to feel that that is the part we can play. Sometimes we can feel so helpless about what can be done. But the more research that is done, more lives are being saved these days. We're getting the education, the support. That's just ultimately the reason to be involved and active because it really is hopeful. It is hopeful. And can't we all use that? some hope. Oh, constantly. And especially these days, it feels like, right? Absolutely. So in terms of the experience happening on Thursday evening, March 7th, I am not really familiar with that location, but it's in the Soto area, I think. It is at 1201 First Avenue South. But looks fantastic. Of course, American Heart's doing this at a great space. <laughs> Victory Hall is the old pyramid brewery across from the stadium. And we're certainly familiar with the stadium areas, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are. So it's certainly easy to get to. Lots of good parking there. And I love the name too, Victory Hall. I mean, doesn't that speak to what we're really all about here as well? It does. And I like that you made that connection. Yes, it truly does. We're going to have a great night and I hope people will come and be generous with their donations. Absolutely. I think if we look to the past, it has been really quite phenomenal growing each year. And and that's where we need to be again is continuing to grow because Well, one in two people, 45%. That's essentially one in two. If we're sitting with a friend, it could be one of us that is going to have either a heart issue or a stroke. So I think it goes without saying that we should really be there to be involved and support the education. Yes, and you're guaranteed a a special evening. You will walk away with... A heart filled with love, I think. (laughs) You know, that feeling of I'm doing something, I'm going to help myself, but I'm helping so many others as well. Yes. Right? It's yeah. good to be involved with Go Red for Women. I mean, like I said, it's the signature women's initiative for the American Heart Association. We need more people to be involved. As you said, if you and I could spend the next hour talking about how heart disease and stroke have touched our lives, the mm-hmm. lives of our friends. You can't help but be moved by our previous speaker. And so your life has been touched. My mother uh, had a heart attack. She survived it uh, because she ultimately got attention, which is one of the big things, too, is to not ignore the signs. She really felt like she wanted to take a nap. But a neighbor said to her, who was a nurse, said, no, no, call 911. You need to get to the hospital. What an amazing neighbor. Really, right? Yes. And I'm sorry that your family's been touched by it too. And I'm so glad your mom survived that heart attack. Yes, she did. And she went on to live a lot more good years after that. But it was to get that initial help. And so that's so critical here. And we are so good here in the Puget Sound area about having that kind of response and help for our residents, right? Yes. 
but we need more. Yes, exactly, as these numbers keep growing. And so we have this wonderful experience. I love the name on March 7th. So let's mention the website again. That's where we can register to get tickets for it, to be at the event. And also, if we can't make it, though, to make a donation right there. Yes, please visit heart.org slash Puget Sound Go Red. I was at the site, easy to find. The information is right there for us specifically right here in our Puget Sound. And so, yes, we hope to have it filled to the rafters with all that energy. Yes, I'll be there looking forward to it. And I will too. And this year, because it's in the evening, I think I'm going to invite my husband to come along and support as well. Well, my husband will be there too. This is great. Yes, they need to support the women in their life. True? They do. And you know, before we wrap this up, I do want to congratulate you on being Go Red for Women, a woman of impact in Puget Sound for 2023. So congratulations on that award. I know that was well-deserved because of your dedication and involvement with Go Red. Thank you very much. It's quite an honor. And I loved being part of the Woman of Impact The 2024 Women of Impact has begun and the nominees are a powerful group and they will be there in force at this event. All the more reason to congratulate you for having received the award because there are so many great candidates. So again, congratulations, Lee Crane. Thank you. This was a lovely morning with you. Well, thank you. I agree. It's been wonderful to connect with you. And I look forward to seeing you March 7th at Victory Hall. I'll look forward to it, too. Thank you.